Welcome to another episode of All the Best Craft Banter. On this episode, we'll be talking with Stephen Andrade from Superscript Safety, an OHS specialist. So stay tuned for more information on what you should have in place as you're opening your brewery, as well as through the years when you might need to do some updates. A reminder and thank you to Connect Logistics for being one of our annual sponsors that allows the Alberta Small Brewers Association to do what we do for you. You are able to enter the Alberta Beer Awards now if you are an active member with the association. You can find the website in your weekly emails or a simple 2023 Alberta Beer Awards Google search should find the website for you. We are also looking for judges and stewards, preferably if you have a BJCP or Cicerone certification. Uh, Stewards, if you just want to get in the door, see what's going on or help out, we definitely need to get that beer to the judging tables to ensure that we uh, find out who the winners are. Also, the tickets for the Alberta Craft Brewing Convention are on sale now. So go to abcraftbrewing.ca. You can find tickets there. We're also welcoming exhibitors. You can go to that same website, or if you have any questions, you can email tradeshow at albertabrewers.ca. All of this information is in the description for this podcast. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast. Okay. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the June edition of Taps and Tips. We're happy to bring you Mr. Stephen Andrade today, who is a respected transformational leader, passionate about building trusted relationships and collaborating with stakeholders about health and safety. He's a skilled and engaging communicator with strong written, verbal, and presentation capabilities that inspire and motivate engagement and participation. Mr. Andrade is experienced in health and safety program development, data architecture, analysis, and visualization. Mr. Andrade endeavors to assist in enhancing operational excellence by providing straightforward solutions. Please welcome Stephen Andrade. Thank you very much, Don. What I want to talk to you guys about today is hazards in the workplace. And I'm just going to share my screen right now. An overview of the presentation um, that I've got here is we're going to talk about types of hazards. We're going to look at impacts hazards have toward operations and how do we manage and control these hazards. Um, A lot of times what we look at are hazards that are known in a workplace, but also hazards that are unknown or like latent hazards that are that are kind of lurking in the background. And what we want to do is really help people understand that that there are ways that you can bring hazards up with your workers and with your coworkers and with your leadership and to mitigate these hazards before they become larger issues. So as Don mentioned, I'm a Canadian registered safety professional. I've got over 20 years of experience. And I, can, I currently am a consultant and partner with organizations to help assist them in developing their health and safety programs and their cultures. And a little fun fact about myself is that my very first job, I was 12 years old and I was a bat boy for the Calgary Cannons. So anybody that's been in Calgary long enough to remember, we actually had a AAA baseball team. Um, I was a bat boy for two seasons with them and it was the best job I've ever had in my career to this day. I think it was $3 an hour and uh it was fantastic still great memories so that's a little bit about me so i've got a few slides where we can spot the hazard okay they're going to get increasingly harder as we go along this one's pretty obvious there's a bear one i think most people can recognize in the grass there's a tiger now this hazard here i think people have seen this image before but if you really train your eyes to it 
there is a cougar right where my cursor is, right there. So it becomes a little challenging sometimes to effectively see hazards. And those of us that live in Western Canada, especially in the Calgary area, the Rocky Mountains, um, we're out hiking a lot. That's one of our biggest fears is a hazard finding us before we can spot them. And lastly, what about hazards in this environment? So this is where I know you guys spend a lot of your time. This is where, um, this is your workplace. This is your business. But sometimes we're so caught up in the fact that this is our business and this is what we're managing day to day that we forget to stand back and look at hazards. So as an outsider, for me, I see several hazards here. I see um, potential slips, trips, and falls due to surface conditions. I see heavy objects that could be ergonomic hazards. I see um, pressure and temperature related hazards. I see storage hazards where things could fall. And I see congestion. I see people potentially working in an area like this, in a very tight area. And, and lastly, I guess I would consider that, um, that in some cases you would have tours coming through your breweries. And you would have opportunities for people that had known nothing about your workspace to be there. So they are effectively the largest hazard that you would face hazard that you would face. Now, many breweries um, have tap rooms that are very, very close proximity to the brewery. Um, and that does that is a significant hazard. But what I wanted to do is what is a hazard? So CCOHNS is the Canadian Center for Occupational Health and Safety. And they have great information that any organization can utilize um, to understand what health and safety is, how to incorporate it into their, their, their management systems, and how to use it within their organization. So that's a resource that I would gladly recommend to anybody looking for more understanding of health and safety. So the CCOHNS defies a hazard the following way. A hazard is any sort of potential damage or harm um, or adverse health effect on something or someone. But one of the things to remember is that it could be on a thing or it could be on a person. So you could have a hazard related to equipment. You could have a hazard related to people. You could have a hazard related to your processes. So if something was to contaminate your batch, that's going to be a hazard towards those processes. I like to think of hazards as conversation starters. It allows us to go deeper into the understanding when you bring something up to a coworker, to a manager, to a supervisor, anybody like that about something that just doesn't seem right or feel right. And you're starting the conversation to how to mitigate it. So that's where I look at these as conversation starters. But there's a lot more around it than just it's a conversation starter. Legally, occupational health and safety within Alberta has a lot of information that that um, that workers and employers need to understand. So as great as it is to say, oh, you just have to write some of this stuff down and you'll be fine, there is a framework, a larger framework towards this. Now, I've just pulled a few little regulations out of the OHNS code. Employers must assess work sites to identify existing and potential hazards before work starts. So this has to be done formally. This has to be written. This has to be available to all, uh, all workers. And, and that goes down to the next point. All workers, employers must prepare a report of the results of the hazard assessment and the methods used to control them or eliminate them for their workers. Um, and then you want to make sure you date it and you can revise it. So 
it's very important that employers understand that they have a responsibility and an accountability toward this. Now, does this mean that you have to do this every day, every week, every month? No, a lot of our operations are similar. So when we identify this as you create your brewery, as you work within developing a health and safety management system, these can be done once and reviewed annually to make sure that it still meets requirements. If anything new is happening, um, I know there's collaborations that go on between breweries, between different organizations. That's maybe a good opportunity to share this information uh, so that people can participate in these when you've got new people to your organization or new people to your brewery. Um, we do know that certain times are busier times than others for participation. Um, summer, we're hiring new employees. We're hiring young, younger workers or short service workers that maybe haven't had the time or the experience. That's an opportunity to review these things. So there are some regulations around the why we do things. Um, and that's an example of where they sit. I wanted to give you some examples of um, workplace hazards, examples of the hazards, and examples of the the harm that's caused. So when you think about the items, you can think of, are they things, substances, materials, energy sources, conditions, processes, practices, or behaviors? So you see all different types of things here from, um, from objects like a knife, um, and this could be a blade, um, a, a blade to open up a pallet of materials or um, opening up sacks of, of barley or hops or however you choose to utilize or open those things up. You have a condition of a wet floor, which causes slips and falls. Um, we've got behaviors. So bullying, that's a big one. Um, you know, psychological safety is very, very important in any workplace. And it can manifest in a number of different ways. So here's examples of what they are. The workplace hazard would be examples of, of the type and, and the harm caused. So as employers, you're responsible to make sure that you consider these. Um, within all the different roles that you have in your organization. So and this is going to be daunting too, and I'm sorry to, to make this a big deal, but this is all the applicable Alberta occupational health and safety legislation that would apply in the brewing industry. Um, so you can see how we've got hazard assessment, elimination and control. We've got chemical hazards, biological hazards and harmful substances everything down to violence and harassment, right? In toilets and washing facilities, all of these different things. So there's a lot to consider. Um, the good news is that um, that it's not, this isn't rocket science. You know, if it was rocket science, I wouldn't be in this business. Um, but there's ways that we can help and there's ways that people can, can incorporate practices and operating procedures to ensure that, that you guys are meeting the applicable needs. And a lot of times, you are. You're already doing it by the nature of wearing hearing protection, wearing gloves, um, making sure that, that people walking up to do work on tanks are, are tied off or, or, or aware of their uh, surroundings. So lots of really interesting things that you can look at here, but there is quite a, quite a legislative aspect. And then you can get down into specifics. How do we eliminate and control potential hazards? So it's not about just identifying it. It's about eliminating and controlling them. I'll make sure that I send this presentation on to, to the association so that you guys can have this as a reference material. And I'll make sure that my information is also available if anybody wants to consult or, or ask questions about this.
So the hazard mitigation process, it's, it's really important to think about this as a four-step process. You want to identify the hazards, you want to assess them, you need to control them, and then you need to measure how that control is working. Identification and assessment. How do you do this within your organization? Is it verbal? Is it documented? Is there a methodology to follow back on, et cetera? So many of us over time have worked in places where there's a paper system, where you fill out a piece of paper and you hand it to the next person and they then document it and move forward. Now there's lots of apps. There's ways that you can do it all on your phone, there, which then trigger workflows to notify people through email, et cetera. So there's no, there's no perfect way to do it. The perfect method is a method that your organization will be able to engage in sustainably, something that you can do all the time, no matter what. So um, my, my preferred method, as much as I love technology, is actually to write it down. You know, you jot it down on a piece of paper and you physically go to talk to somebody about it. That way you've got a verbal discussion and you've got it documented. And then you can bring up how you're going to go about um, identifying and fixing it from there. I'm, I'm, I actually skipped the slide here. I, I forgot to put a risk matrix slide in. But what you're going to do next is you're going to assess this hazard. So your group of personnel, whether it's your, you know, the supervisor, the foreman, um, brewery owner. I know a lot of breweries are quite small, so everybody's involved doing everything. You're going to assess the hazards that you've identified to determine, you know, how severe is it, and what's the probability of it occurring if we don't change anything. And that gives you what's called a risk rating. So the idea is, are you trying to find what is a high risk hazard and what is a low risk hazard? Now, high risk hazards can be very um, obvious. You could you know, have a significant injury, you could um, have a vast um, amount of uh, spill or waste. Um, you could have harmful exposure to, to personnel like outside of your company and even inside of your company. Um, you know, everything from a fire to all of those different things, lots of different things that are that could go wrong. And then you could have low risk in hazards that are, you know, somebody could hurt themselves, not badly, maybe a first aid, you need to use a bandage. Um, there could be some product that was received if we, uh, that has to get spoiled if we, if we don't use effective tools, opening it, those sorts of things. So your organization can develop their own risk rating policy how you guys determine what is what severities and how often you want to look at them from probability. Lots of tools out there online. And like I said, there's no one way to do it. There's lots of different ways. So don't feel like you have to have to be a square peg in a round hole because there's lots of different ways that, um, that you can work with this on. Um, now we want to look at how do we control this? We've identified things. We recognize that there's uh, a risk element to it. Now we look at controls. So in the health and safety world, there's something called the hierarchy of controls, and it's an inverted pyramid. So as you see on the left-hand side, there is kind of a, a spectrum of mo most effective down to least effective. So the most effective control is essentially just eliminate the hazard, physically remove it from your, your operation. Now, that isn't necessarily possible in all these different cases. So we've got processes that we use, we use, you know, high temperature and pressure. You know, we have um, floors that have to be able to get wet. We have heavy objects that we have to, to lift and, and 
the, the materials are delivered in heavy quantities. So you can't eliminate that. Um, you could substitute or replace or substitute or replace the hazard. In some cases, that's possible. Um, in some cases, it's not. Um, engineering controls take people away from the hazard. So it's more of a process. Um, I can think of your canning and bottling machines. I can think of uh, conveyor belts, those sorts of things to eliminate repetitive strain injuries that way on people. Um, and then as you go down, we have administrative controls, which change the way people work. So this is your policies, your procedures, signage, barriers uh, to entry. Those are, are very, very important. Um, so thinking about all of these sorts of things, and, and I mean, I go back to my uh, my past of touring breweries for events. And, you know, the first thing some of the breweries have done is a, is a very short safety briefing, you know, where you can walk, where you can't walk, things you're allowed to touch, things you're not allowed to touch, you know, all of these things, identifying the hazards for the public who really has no idea um, the severity of the, of the impact and the risk associated with, with, with the work that you do. And lastly, um, PPE, personal protective equipment. That is kind of the last line of defense. And as you can see, it's the least effective. Um, one other way to consider is as you go down towards the tip of the pyramid where you get administrative controls and PPE, you need to have more supervision, more focus on behaviors of individuals implementing these controls so they become a bit more challenging. It's easier to set the controls of a, a machine to say, you know, if there's a high level, it stops. You know, sometimes people want to put their hands in to grab something thinking, I'll be really fast. And then we see an auger take somebody's hand off or or a conveyor belt pull somebody along in an area that that they really don't want to go. So it's it's part of that um, understanding of these controls. Now, I want to bring everybody's attention to one thing. There's one word that is not in this pyramid, and that word is experience. Experience is not a hazard control. You may have 25 years of brewing experience. You may have 10 years of warehouse experience. You may have experience in construction or operating heavy equipment. That doesn't mean that, that you're immune to the severity of these hazards. I always like to look at it um, from the perspective of electricians. Um, if you're an electrician and you're you know, a Red Seal electrician or a journeyman, would the current affect you any differently than it would affect myself or Don or Blair as somebody who may, I personally don't know anything about electricity and how to wire things. So I, you know, not a good thing, but it's going to affect us the same way. So that's why you'll notice that that experience is not an effective control. Experience helps, but it also helps you understand the hazard, you know, the risk, and how do we how do we control it? What you need to do is effectively find your control, find what works for your organization. Sometimes they're going to work across all brewery types, large or small. It's going to be the same type of control. Um, and so you might have a solution that works for your operation based on your your size, based on what you do and how you how you manage it. And lastly. You know, you want to measure the effectiveness of it. So the key here, in my opinion, is communication with workers. If you have a hazard that is brought up or an incident or anything, if you're coordinating with your personnel about 
What have we done about it? How are we going to prevent it from happening again? Thanking personnel for um, for making sure that they, you know, that they continue to to, to document this. That's a very very important message. Um, you know, getting somebody in trouble for reporting a hazard or an incident is never a good thing. You know, you don't want to silence that. You want to continually be getting better, and these do help organizations get better. Um, and every organization is going to figure out a way that will best determine what factors and how best to share it. So, I mean, I've got clients and I've worked in environments where, you know, there's shifts, there's people coming and going, there's day shift, there's night shift, there's people that are off. It's a really hard thing to communicate. You know, not everybody checks email. Not everybody is, you know, tied to their phones like like some of us used to be. Um so maybe finding different ways to communicate that stuff. And as you can see, I didn't actually finish the last point on there, but the key is to actually review this. You know, take the time to look at your, your, your items. Are we doing it well? Talking to your people. What can we do differently? How can we, you know, how can we help you do your job better? So that, I think, is the end of my presentation on, um, on health and safety hazard within a workplace. I'm very happy to share any information that I have, any resources I have, as well as opportunities to, to potentially answer questions or help the association out in any ways. But that's I just wanted to bring some attention to the hazards in the workplace, what obligations and accountabilities for employers and personnel are, and how it's really not as complicated as sometimes it looks like. So there's lots of ways to, to work through it. Yeah. That, that was great, Stephen. Thank you. No problem. Don, did you have any questions to follow up? I guess just, I think you kind of touched on it briefly, but when you are a very small business and you have limited resources, mm-hmm. you know, the sometimes these things get kind of pushed off to the side, like I'll get to it when I get to it kind of thing. And so do you have any thoughts on that? Like how to make it a pri- priority or, you know, how do you make it a priority so it's in place? Because it's super important. It is. Um, so the best thing I can can recommend to people is think of a few key components, um, whether it's, you know, safety glasses and gloves, um, whether it's understanding how, you know, ergonomics fits into your operation. Find the areas that are the that you sit back and give you the most potential for hazard or risk. Is it in offloading material? Is it, you know, housekeeping? Is it trying to keep organized and and tackle one thing at a time? And a lot of times it's the low hanging fruit. You know, I'll even be, I'll be very honest. I, I oftentimes forget to put hearing protection in when I'm working in my garage or when I'm working with power tools, always forget. They're in my work coveralls all the time. I've got two pairs in each of the pockets just in case, but I always forget to do it. Um, One thing I did now I have two nails on the wall in my garage right when I walk in. One of them holds a pair of safety glasses, and one of them has hearing protection draped around it. So the first thing I do when I walk in is I put my safety glasses on and I grab the hearing protection, whether I'm going to use it or not. And the very last thing I do when I'm finished either cutting the lawn or doing whatever I'm doing, hang them up there before I leave the garage. So it's the first thing on and it's the last thing on, regardless of what's happening. So you get into those patterns and those routines and then it just becomes second nature. So a lot of this stuff, if you've not ever been proactive with it before, it's going to take time for the habit to form. 
it's going to take time to develop the behavior the way you want to change it, but stick with it. And the more you can, um, you know, practice it and engage it, then you're sustaining your, your behaviors among your people. And I think the biggest part too is, I guess the last thing I want to say on it is that people are afraid to open their mouth and say they don't know something. They're afraid to put their hand up to say, oh, I think that might be a bit hazardous. I don't know how to do that. So if you do have the experience, and if you have been engaging in these types of work uh, activities, you can say, hey, when I was new, I always was curious about this. And you can anticipate the questions they're going to ask. You can, you know, make sure that you're answering that question because you know you have it. You know, you're probably wondering how we're going to get these really big, heavy sacks of, you know, over here. Well, here's how we do it safely. Mm -hmm. Or we're going to, those are the things that I would say, you know, be the leader. You don't, you know, be the boss you wanted to have. Be the, the coworker that you needed when you were young and inexperienced. So that's how I would proactively develop these behaviors. And be okay to say, hey, let's talk about this, guys. That was a that was a close call there. Let's maybe write this down and we can make sure everybody knows about it. And that's the start of something. And then it'll snowball, it'll get bigger and bigger and bigger. And, and you know, health and safety does not have to be complicated. It does not have to be, you know, in a whole different language. You know, you guys have have operations that that suit yourselves and and everything can fit into what you do. So it's not something that is um, it can be scary, but it's not. So awesome. If I can follow up kind of to that, the point that you made about how you reminded yourself of something you needed to do by connecting your ear protection to your safety goggles immediately when you enter. Is there one kind of you mentioned signs in your presentation. Is there maybe one sign that you think has been really effective in remind, just kind of reminding people as they go through their work day in a space that it's like, oh, hey, I need to get my mind back into this. Like maybe I got lost in my music or maybe I got lost in the thought of something else going on outside of work. And I maybe forgot to do that safety check or something like that. But is there maybe a sign that you've seen that's been really effective at bringing people back into the workspace? Yeah, sure. That's a great question, Blair. Thank you. Um, so one thing that I've seen and I've used in the past is just a phrase and it's step, step by step. And it's, you know, stop, think, evaluate, proceed. So using that, you know, step by step, you know, go through the motions, think about things before you start and and just constantly, what am I doing? What is my attention on? Um, do I need to be really focused on this task? I mean, I think I'm going to put myself out there and say, I've been walking downstairs in a building, concrete building, and I'm writing an email as I'm walking down the stairs. I'm not touching the rails. I'm going down. And all of a sudden, you feel yourself getting ready to fall. And I think, oh, my God, Steve, what are you doing? What are you doing right now? What is your job? And the job is walking downstairs. You know? Had to answer that email. Had to do it right then and there. Well, do it on the landing. Or stop. Think, do I have to do this now? Evaluate, mm, not the safest place. And then find a way to proceed. So, you know, everything from, you know, we're so attuned to the phone has to be answered. The message has to be replied to immediately. How can we carve out that noise? You know, how do we, you know, limit distractibility? Um, keeping our mind on our task. So that's what I would try to do. 
you know, step by step. Um, a lot of people have seen the stop sign, like stop and think, um, you know, those types of things. But it does take a while for people to understand what behaviors are important and pertinent to the work, to the work site. So that's what I would suggest. Yeah, no, I think that's great. And kind of on that same line, um, you mentioned experience is not a control. So mm -hmm. what you mentioned a few things about touching base and providing that open channel of communication, but how do you maybe combat complacency? Um, I think complacency, complacency has to be combated from leadership. Leadership has to always be thinking three steps ahead of everything else. You're the one that knows more than anybody really about what's happening at a facility, whether it's, you know, what's coming down the pipe, what's next, what's needed. Um, and you need to actively communicate that. Here is what we're doing and why. Here are the steps we need to do because of. We have a tight timeline on this and there's not a lot of wiggle room. So we need to make sure we're focused in our efforts, you know, at this particular time. And being able to say, you know, 10 minutes of preparation, 10 minutes of, of you know, confirmation will save hours of of troubleshooting so really stepping that up and then encouraging people to ask questions um and not just saying does anybody have any questions because there's a way to say it i would say what questions do you have you know it's slightly different how i've just brought it up but you're you're encouraging more i know you've got questions what are they mm -hmm. you know and if, if you really still aren't hearing anything physically go around the room you know, what are your thoughts on this? What are your thoughts on this? And and before you know it, people will be sharing. People will be talking. People will be moving forward. Now, if there really is a time crunch, then you have to keep that, you know, well moderated and move forward. But at the end of the day, um, you're encouraging discussion. You're encouraging teamwork. You're encouraging troubleshooting. All of these things are very good. And you're starting a conversation about hazards and how to mitigate them ahead of time. Kind of like that preemptive post-mortem, you know, we're going to do something. What could go wrong? You know, what can we anticipate going wrong? And you'd be surprised what people will come up with, you know, and yeah. then you can say, okay, how are we going to deal with that? So it doesn't take a long time, but it has to be intentional and you have to practice it, yeah. you know? And I think a lot of times we say, you know, do a debrief on when things go poorly that's very important, but let's do a debrief when things go well. Mm -hmm. You know, hey, that collaboration went really well. Why did it go well? You know, we had, you know, we cleaned out our tanks without incident. Why did that go so well? What were we focused on? Um, you know, we had a really amazing long weekend at the tap room and we didn't have any incidents. We had, you know, everything went really well. What went so well? How can we keep that momentum moving? And then you know, everybody's moving forward and then it starts to be a bit more of a cultural moment because it's here, it's a recurring themes. Things are happening again and again. And that's what culture is. You can't just decide to build a safety culture. It has to, it's a, it's a result of actions and deeds that have occurred. So. I really like that. I like the celebrating and discussing the, the wins. Mm -hmm. I like that a lot. Um, my last question is, you know, obviously the association, we focus heavily on the regulatory legislative mm -hmm. side of things. Um, how often does CCOHS update their information? Is that something that people would be looking for new um, regulations annually, 
semi-monthly? How, how often are those updated? Typically, OHNS does not update their regulations, codes, and, and, and things annually. That's not something that's done every year. It's done every several. Um, they just had a, an update happen this past year. So, I mean, there won't be any big significant changes for quite a while. Um, so it does allow companies to create programs and not be worried about, you know, oh my goodness, we have to change this again. And I mean, OHNS is, they understand that, that companies are there to work and they're not trying to get in anybody's way. Like they're not the fun police here. You know, they're the, they're the people that are there to make sure that, that the workers are safe and that, that companies can have thriving businesses, but it's not mutually exclusive to have a thriving business and, and safe operations. So, um, you know, that's very where that the association will probably be able to provide information to their, their members to say, Hey, heads up, this is something that's new and coming. Um, and here's how we would address it. You know, I think that's a, that's a great way for, for the association to help the members. Um, you know, I'm always willing to help any way I can and be part of it. So that too. So yeah, there's lots, it's not something that, you know, every year you've got to now worry about it. So perfect. Yeah. I think like, like you said, you know, you don't want to have to think about something and develop a whole program and then be like, okay, we just implemented this and now we got to change it. So I think that should ease a couple of minds. So that's perfect. Um, And there's there are programs out there offered through the WCB uh, partnerships and injury reduction have a program through WCB called the certificate of recognition. And it's an auditing process that allows you to, you know, have your health and safety management system reviewed to a standard and, and it allows, you know, regulatory bodies to say, yeah, this is a fully functioning, really, you know, well laid out system. And by having that, it'll allow you to save money on your WCB premiums and all of those things. Um, I don't think it's mandatory in the industry right now. In some aspects in the oil and gas industry, it is because, you know, clients require it. So therefore you have to do it. And in some cases, you know, the savings on WCB might not be worth the cost of doing the audit. So it's a good thing to have, but there's also ways we could do internal audits without going to that external board there. So lots of opportunities. So to say, hey, is you're on the right track or here's some ways to look, here's some things to think of. So no, that sounds great. I think that's all the questions I had, Don. The conference this year is going to be at Windsport in Calgary on October 17th and 18th. And Stephen Andrade is from Superscript Safety is going to be speaking on occupational health and safety. And here are a few of the things that he is going to cover. Stephen? Thanks, Don. Yeah, the presentation that I'll be, be speaking on will touch on the, entire, the entirety of a health and safety management system and how you could integrate that, those components within your operation um how to move forward with it and how to keep it as a sustainable process so you know year after year it's just something that becomes embedded into your culture one of my feelings is that um, safety is not your top priority as an organization safety has to be integrated within all of your priorities and i'm going to show you how that can be done great looking really looking forward to it thank you Cool. Again, thank you, Stephen, for a great session, a great taps and tips session, one that's very important. And in follow-up, we'll be putting a link in the weekly beer update with uh, the video of this session. And along with that, we'll put in Stephen's contact information so you can follow up with him if you have questions.
All right. On behalf of Dawn and myself, thank you, Stephen, for that great session. Also, Taps and Tips available as a video. If you are an ASBA member, uh, you can email us for the link or check back a couple of weeks ago for, for your weekly emails or on the member portal. And just a reminder, the Alberta Beer Awards, you can enter your product now and the tickets for the convention are available for sale as well. Thanks again. We'll catch you next time. <music>